I'm a local loan officer in West Palm Beach, Florida. I've been in the mortgage industry for the last eight years. I've worked in the industry throughout the country. I've closed over a thousand loans during my career, so I've seen it all. I'm on a mission to make mortgages both entertaining and educational. Welcome to Lending with Leah. This is the podcast for anyone thinking of potentially owning in the process of buying, or maybe you already own your own home. For anyone who likes to watch the podcast episodes on YouTube, we have a new location today. We are switching it up a little bit. We got a little bit of a new feel. And for those of you that listen to the podcast, well, you can't really see, but I hope you can like feel the enthusiasm coming from me through my voice. (laughs) In today's episode... The reason I actually like got the urge to do today's episode is from the sheer amount of people and clients that I've been working with that have been royally screwed over by real estate agents and other loan officers or lenders. Today's episode is going to be all about How do you avoid getting ripped off or taken advantage of? Why does it happen? Tips on how to get around it. And I'm going to break out eight different common ways that real estate agents or lenders, things they do to rip you off. I think it's important for you guys to know and understand these things. Like If you can understand these eight things, and know what to look for when you're getting your own home and going through your own purchase, it's going to make such a difference. And you're going to feel so much more secure in the loan that you're getting and the home that you're buying. So why is this a thing? Well, let you in on a little secret. Real estate agents and loan officers we have the potential to make a pretty absorbent amount of money. The commission is pretty huge in most cases. It just is. It's it's an amazing career. It has drastically changed my life. Anyone who wants to get into the business, I highly recommend it. But with that, there comes a lot of greed. So one, you already know when there's greed in the mix, that tends to not cause some great things to happen or not cause, tends to cause some not so great things to happen. Now, mix that with the market, the housing market we're currently in. We're in a low inventory market with high mortgage interest rates. And what does this mean? This means there's just not as many transactions or people buying homes. So there's not as much business out there. It's not because the business wouldn't be there. The demand is absolutely there. It's just there's not enough inventory. There's not enough supply on the market to match the demand. If there was more supply, there would be more transactions. And then same with the interest rates. Now, the higher interest rates are going to prevent some people from being able to afford to buy right now. Again, that demand is still there, but because of the higher rates, it's keeping it kind of at bay. 
So when this happens and you get a mix of careers that have a tendency to be very greed oriented or attract greedy people, mix that with desperation because there's just not as many transactions. There's not as much business to be had, right? So there's a smaller smaller pool of business and a lot of people, loan officers and real estate agents fighting for that smaller pool of business. And then now mix the greed and desperation on top of real estate transactions and mortgage transactions are incredibly confusing, especially to someone who's not in it and working it day in and day out. So greed, desperation, and easy to manipulate and confuse you, or just you don't understand, spells disaster. It just does. And I am getting so sick and tired of seeing my clients and seeing people I love get taken advantage of and be put into really horrible real estate situations that they didn't need to get into. It could have been a much better process had they known, had they known what to look for. But it's tricky. You don't know what to look for. And it's so easy to, uh, like, it might be a little scary, but it is so easy as a loan officer to take advantage of people. Like, you really also have to be working with someone who has the integrity and the values that they want to provide care and true and honest information to someone, you know, versus someone that's just looking to get one over on you. So in today's episode, I'm going to break out eight different common ways that loan officers and real estate agents can take advantage of you. We're going to go over them in detail, and I'm going to give you guys different tips and tricks, I mean tricks, tips, <laughs> I think is better, on what to do, what to look for, and how to navigate those things. So that way you can make a safe and informed and a good decision, right? You want to buy a home and I want you to like walk away from buying that home and feel like you love me. (laughs) And you love your real estate agent and you love your home because it's perfect for you and it's in your budget and you just, you feel good about it and it is good for you. That's what I want at the end of the day. So let's start digging into it. Number one, if your real estate agent tells you you have to use their lender, red flag, your sirens should absolutely be going off during this. Why? Because it's illegal, people. It's illegal. You are allowed to shop as many lenders as you would like. In fact, the, this is so like a thing that people want or that the, I don't know, people, the government, whatever. It's such a thing that's in place to the point where when you have a mortgage company pull your credit, you get a 14-day window where you can have as many mortgage companies as you would like pull your credit You'll see the multiple inquiries, but you only get hit once. And this is specifically designed this way. That way you are enticed to shop. And it's also done like this. That way you don't end up in a predatory lending 
situation. So if you're, and by the way, your real estate agent, if they tell you you have to use their lender, they can get in really, really big trouble for that. Because again, that's illegal. And for someone to be pushing and manipulating you and trying to tell you that you have to use their lender, that right there should tell you there's something fishy going on there. Not saying there is or isn't, but there's likely probably some illegal uh, kickbacks or pay-to-play type thing that's going on where maybe the lender is paying the real estate agent for deals, which is, again, illegal. <laughs> but if something like that is happening, it, it's just it's not a good thing. And now that's not to say your real estate agent should absolutely be recommending lenders, plural, <laughs> lenders that email they've worked with that do a great job. But again, that these are recommendations. They can choose, and you as the buyer and consumer get to choose whoever you want to use as your lender. In fact, I have some personal friends of mine, and this was something that they ran into, right? So we had been talking about homes and getting a mortgage and we've been talking and preparing for quite a few months and then they ended up telling me that they were shopping for homes and put an offer in on a home and I was a little I was a little sad I was like oh you know why why didn't you decide to use me as your lender and they looked at me and they go well our real estate agent said we couldn't they said we had had to use their lender. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. That is not how it works. And as we started talking and they started disclosing more to me, it turns out, too, that this other lender that the real estate agent said they had to use was also doing some of the other things we're going to talk about in today's episode was... Uh, undervaluing property taxes and homeowners insurance on their monthly payment, undervaluing what their true funds to close would be, in an attempt to snag them and win the deal, all while being misleading and kind of falsifying information. Terrible. Needless to say, now that we've situated that out, we're going to be working together. But this kind of thing happens all the time, all the time. And it should be a huge red flag. It, anytime someone says, you have to use this person, you have to, you don't have a choice. This is who you have to use. That should send off some sirens in your mind. The second one. If your loan officer sends you a pre-approval without the following, a completed application, a full credit poll, not a soft credit pull, a full one, and a fully documented file. What do I mean when I say fully documented file? Two years of income documents, whether you're self-employed or you're W-2, either two years of tax returns, two years of W-2s, current pay stubs, current profit and loss statement if you're self-employed, if your loan officer has not asked you for two years worth of income documents, 
if they have not asked you where your funds to close are coming from, be that bank statements, checking savings accounts, retirement accounts, gift funds, then run away. Because either one, your loan officer is lazy. I'm just going to say it. Or two, maybe not lazy, but maybe they just don't know. It's a big thing too, again, you guys, because remember what we talked about in the beginning. You can make a lot of money being a loan officer. And that entices a lot of people to want to jump into that role. But they might not really know the ins and outs of the mortgage business. It's a complicated business. Like, I'll be the first to admit, I've been doing this for nine years now, and I still learn new things. Probably on a weekly basis, I'm learning new things, and the industry is constantly changing. So someone that's fresh coming in, they really just might not know any better, but I hate to say it, do you really want to trust the biggest transaction and the biggest purchase of your life? Do you really want to put that in the hands of someone who doesn't know what they're doing? Because here's an example. This week alone, I had three. I call them rescue deals. Basically, all that means is that someone went under contract with a different lender. And for whatever reason, that lender had pre-approved them. But then once they went under contract and went through underwriting, now all of a sudden they don't qualify for the loan. So I'm getting calls and my real estate agents and the buyers and they're like, Leah, help, help. You work miracles. Help us get this done. And I look at it and all three of them, you guys, like there, there wasn't a twinkle of hope that these people were going to qualify for the loans that other loan officers pre-approved them for. And as I started asking more questions, well, did your loan officer ask for your income documents? Did your loan officer do a full credit poll? On one of these, you guys, the lender sent a pre-approval letter without pulling the buyer's credit. Like, not even a soft pull. They didn't even have an application. No application, no documents, no credit pull. They just sent a pre-approval letter. Like, what? My skin's boiling. Like, how can you do that to someone? Especially because once you go under contract for a home, you have to put a deposit on the line. And if something goes wrong with your financing, you could be at risk of losing that deposit money. That sucks. So, again, take a little bit of ownership. And if your lender does not ask for all of your documents, I should tell you one, either they don't know what they're doing, they're lazy, or something else. I don't know. There's no reason a loan officer should be doing a pre-approval without getting your documents. Just saying. Number three, interest rates and not disclosing points. What do I mean by this? I have talked in numerous episodes about points and what points are. 
So if you want the nitty gritty details, go back, listen to the episode on closing costs. But we're still going to summarize because anyone who's new jumping in and listening to today's episode, I want you guys to understand. Points is a fancy word and it just means charge for an interest rate. Think of it like a fee, a fee or a closing cost because that's exactly what it is. Let's say the interest rate is 6% and it's got a charge of one point. Well, one point is always equal to 1% and it's always going to be a percentage of your loan amount. So if you're getting a $300,000 mortgage and the lender is saying, okay, I can get you a 6% interest rate and it's going to cost you one point. That's one point or 1% of 300,000, which is $3,000. This means you pay $3,000 for that 6% interest rate. Good. We got it. We understand. Good. I'm glad. Okay. Now, I'll let you in on a little secret, too. It's wrong. I am not condoning it. It is unethical as sheesh. Yeah, unethical as sheesh. But legally, a loan officer or a lender does not have to disclose or tell you how many points or what the charge for an interest rate is until they lock you in. All right, let that sink in. Now, what does this mean in practical terms? When you get that nice pre-approval letter and you're looking at it and you see an interest rate on there and you're like, oh, my rate's 5%, yay. And you get a pre-approval letter from someone else, another lender, and it's 6%. And you're like, oh, gosh, I'm definitely going to go with the 5% lender. Why would I go with the 6%? And I get that, but then follow me. So then all of a sudden, you know, you you end up going under contract, you find a home, you put a deposit down, and you're like going through, and then the lender's like, okay, I'm going to like lock your loan because keep in mind, your interest rate is not actually your interest rate until you get locked in. And you typically can't get locked in until you're under contract for a home. So they lock you in, and now you get an updated disclosure with all your closing costs, and you look at it and you go, why are my closing costs so high? Why am I paying $15,000 more than what I thought I'd have to pay? Because lenders don't have to disclose or tell you how much an interest rate costs until they lock you in. You guys, I can put whatever, like listen to this, I can put whatever interest rate I want to on your pre-approval and I don't have to tell you how much it costs. And it is wrong. I don't do that. Let's clear the air there. When I send pre-approvals, you get your pre-approval letter and a full estimated fee breakdown. I break down all the closing costs, including if the rate I showed you has points or not and how much it costs, monthly payments, everything. Because when it gets to the end of the line, 
I want you to look at it and be like, yeah, that's exactly what I thought it was going to be from day one or maybe a little better, but I don't want it to get worse. How would you feel if you're in the middle of your transaction and all of a sudden you have to bring an extra $15,000 to the table you didn't think you'd have to before, but now you're two weeks away from closing and it's too late to change lenders. Your lender just strong-armed you into that deal and you don't have a choice unless you back out. And then if you back out, well, then sometimes you risk losing your deposit. This is, it's real, guys. I can't even tell you how many times I have seen disclosures from other lenders and it's got this great rate and this absorbent cost for that rate. So here's how you avoid kind of that bait and switch. When your lender pre-approves you and you get a fee estimate from them, hopefully, if they are not providing you with a fee estimate, I would definitely ask for one. And I would make it a point and ask and say, hey, this interest rate that you put on here, does this interest rate have points? If yes, how much are the points? And if no, was this the best no-cost rate or par rate, as we call it in our world, that day for me based on my scenario? It's a great way to find out or not. I was helping a client once, and we were trying to win the deal, and we were going back and forth. And he's like, well, Chase is offering me a rate of this. And I said, okay, ask the loan officer if there's points associated with that rate. And there was two and a half points associated with that rate that the lender did not initially disclose to the buyer. Food for thought, just ask. Four, origination fees. The other thing you have to be careful of and watch out for that lenders, how lenders will take advantage of you. So there's points, but sometimes... Any origination fees, and you will hear these called origination fees, underwriting fees, application fees, loan approval fees, points. These are all origination fees. And a lender can manipulate and move around these fees into these different types of origination. So I've also seen where someone gets disclosed a really low interest rate. And then when you look at the fees, the, the points are really small and very, very reasonable. But the client is being charged an origination fee of like $15,000. That's because the lender took the charge for the rate and they moved it around so here's like the thing is that in mortgage world there usually is not such a thing as free it gets moved around places because if we can move the, the money over here and you're looking here but we're, we're just gonna move it here so this looks nicer you get stuck so you want to look at the whole not just the points but look at your total origination fees. Five, prepaid interest. 
oh, I know we're talking big terms today. What's prepaid interest? So when you close on a home, your mortgage payment, you always kind of like skip it. So if you close on your loan anytime in, let's say, the month of March, March 1st to March 31st, well, your first mortgage payment won't be until May 1st. So you skip April, kind of. Your lender is still going to collect interest for that time. Your interest is paid in arrears. So when you make your first payment on May 1st, well, the interest you pay was actually for April. But in March, you still close in March. So let's say you close March 1st. Well, then you will collect 30 days of prepaid interest to cover the whole month of March. And this is a fee that gets added to your closing costs. So if, you clo- if you're following, if you close at the beginning of the month, that fee is going to be much higher than if you close at the end of the month. Because if you close the last day, you're only collecting one day of prepaid interest versus if you close the first day of the month, you're collecting a whole month's worth. You know what I've seen some lenders do? I have one. We were competing for the client's business, and she was closing the fifth of the month. And I was looking at the other lender's fee sheet. And on their prepaid interest, they had her closing the last day of the month. And on mine, I had the correct close day. So their total funds to close looked a lot less than mine. But guess what? Her contract said she's closing on the 5th. That's not a me thing. That's what the contract says. And that other lender is going to have to abide by it as well. But it's a sneaky thing. You don't know to look for that. And so it's a way lenders will, again, move around certain things so it looks like the funds to close are less if you go with them. But really they're not because as you go through the process, it's going to change to uh, what it should have been the whole time. And your funds to close are going to go up. Six, undervaluing your escrows. Escrows meaning your taxes and your homeowner's insurance. Depending on where you live and where you're purchasing a home, every county, every area typically has kind of a going rate for property taxes and homeowner's insurance. For example, I'm in Palm Beach County. Palm Beach, Broward, and Miami-Dade County in Florida are the most expensive counties in the whole country for homeowner's insurance. So it's important to estimate that correctly. When I'm estimating homeowner's insurance for a single-family home in Palm Beach County, I'm usually estimating $350 to $400 a month at a minimum. Now, that brings my monthly payment up higher, That also brings my closing costs up higher because you have to pay that first year homeowner's insurance premium at closing. Well, a policy, I don't don't know the math right now, and it's a little late tonight, so I'm not going to do the math for you guys, but if you're paying $400 a month, that annual policy you pay at closing is a lot higher than if your loan officer estimates, you know, $200 a month. I see this too all the time 
where other lenders to make the payment look smaller and to make your funds to close look smaller so you go with them, they will put a lower property tax amount or a lower homeowner's insurance amount. And by the time those things get updated later in your loan process, you're usually stuck. You usually can't back out by that point. You're too far along. So again, homeowner's insurance, property taxes, you guys, it doesn't matter what lender you go with. It's going to be the same at the end of the day. But what does matter is pick a lender that actually knows the area and is going to disclose accurate information to you. Again, who wants to be surprised, you know, a couple days before closing that now all of a sudden you're paying $200 more per month and you have to bring like an extra $3,000 to $4,000 for closing. I don't want that surprise. That's a bad surprise. Seven. Mm. Putting seller credits on your fee estimate before you actually have a guaranteed seller credit. What's a seller credit? A seller credit is where the seller takes part of the equity from their home and they give it to you, usually to cover closing costs. So when you hear terms or people say, oh, the seller paid my closing costs, it's because the seller gave a seller credit. I have seen so many lenders where they will list a seller credit, like, oh, here's your funds to close, and then we're going to tack on a little, boom, there's a $10,000 seller credit. But you don't actually have a seller credit negotiated yet. It again, it just, it's a trick because it makes their fee estimate look better. And if you don't know to look for it and where to look for it, and you miss it, and then now you go under contract and you don't get a $10,000 seller credit negotiated, guess what? The funds to close you thought you were going to have to bring are now $10,000 higher. This is why I always estimate, 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 (laughs) for worst case scenario from the beginning. And then hopefully it gets better. Or... Again, we did the worst case scenario in the beginning and then it just stays that way because I don't want you to be surprised. I don't want you to feel strong armed. I want you to go into the purchase knowing how much money you're going to have to put down, knowing what your payment is, you know, at, at least within a few dollars difference and feeling comfortable with that. If those things change a couple days before closing, you might get stuck. This is the biggest purchase of your life. This is your home. This is your security. This is your shelter. Don't let some greedy, desperate loan officer or real estate agent trick you and rip you off and put you in a bad situation where now your shelter and your livelihood and everything else can get ruined. It's not worth it. Take ownership, take some extra steps and precautions, ask, look over that fee estimate, really look over it. And if you don't understand something, ask the lender questions. And to end, number eight, charging you for an appraisal prior to you signing an intent to proceed. 
or in some cases, I had one recently, this lender tried to charge my client because she was going with both of us again because you have the right to shop. And this other lender called her and said, hey, I need your credit card information because I have to charge you for a credit report fee. She wasn't even under contract yet. It's illegal. Once you go under contract for a home, you get this big disclosure packet. Huge. In this disclosure packet, there's going to be one form you sign that is very important. It is called a intent to proceed. And legally, a lender cannot charge you any fees until you have signed an intent to proceed. They also should not be ordering. So until you sign that intent to proceed, they should not be ordering an appraisal. And they definitely shouldn't be charging you for an appraisal or charging you for a credit report. My Lord. But I see this all the time because why? Appraisals are always are not always transferable from one lender to another. In some cases they are, but in a lot of cases they're not. And appraisals are fairly expensive. They usually range between $450 to $750. And you have to pay for them up front in most cases. So this is a trick lenders will do. They'll charge you right away for that appraisal fee because they they know they're doing some other shady stuff, but they're going to trap you by charging you for that appraisal fee. And then some time passes, and by the time you realize what's going on, you feel stuck. You're like, I already paid an appraisal. Maybe it's already in. And if it's not a transferable appraisal, you're like, I I don't know if I have time to go to another lender, and even if I have time to go to another lender, I don't want to pay another 450 to 750 bucks. I get it. I wouldn't want to either. That's that's not chump change. That's a lot of money to a lot of people. So watch out for that. Lenders will oftentimes do that. Use the appraisal as a way to like capture you and get you locked in. But remember, until you sign that intent to proceed form, they can't. Legally they can't. So if you're shopping and you've got a couple lenders and you're trying to decide which one's going to be the best one to go with, don't sign any intent to proceed forms until you pick the lender you want to use. Then sign the form, then pay the appraisal. But don't let anyone bully you into signing your intent to proceed before you're ready to sign it. That is eight different ways... (laughs) That lenders and real estate agents take advantage of you. It's not okay. It's awful that it happens. It's sneaky. But by just educating yourself a little bit and knowing what questions to ask and just what to be on the lookout for and picking a lender and real estate agent that you trust, all these things are going to really help you and help ensure that you have a well-rounded, smooth, happy transaction, and you end up in a good situation with a home, with a payment you're happy with, with loan terms you're happy with. I mean, 
at the end of the day, no one likes loans. I get it. I hate paying my mortgage every month, but I'm happy with it. You know, even though I don't like paying it, I still, I'm happy with the rate I got. I'm happy with the fees that I paid. I, I feel like I got a really great deal and I feel like I was cared for and I understood everything and I didn't feel like I got taken advantage of. So if you have any questions or maybe you're just wondering, am I being taken advantage of or not? Give me a call. Shoot me a DM on any of my socials, Lending with Leah, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, and just tell me what your scenario is. I'd be happy to take a look and just give you a second opinion, whether you're using me or not. Sometimes it's nice just to have an unbiased third party take a look and see what's going on. Take a peek behind the curtain. But I hope you guys like today's episode. I hope it gave you lots of good information and go out there, pick some good people, pick your team and go find that dream home because it's out there. And don't worry too much about this. If, if you guys got this and you know what questions to ask, you're going to be just fine. Put it back in your hands, take control over it, and just go do the dang thing. See you guys next week for next week's episode.